You're listening to Healthy Living with Eric Sue Podcast, episode number 79. This episode is sponsored by Eric Sue Insider, an online community where you get advice and tips from Eric Sue on weekly conference calls. Learn more at slash insider and how you can get started. Hey there, it's Eric Sue, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening to my podcast. If you are new, welcome. And if you are a longtime listener, I appreciate your continued support. Did you know your review on iTunes and Stitcher helps grow this podcast? Well, it does, so write a review today. Not into writing a review? Then maybe you would like to make a small donation. You can do so by clicking the Be My Patron Podbean link on my podcast page. Finally, helping others is the name of the game, so help a friend by sharing this podcast with them. Let's keep this movement growing. Now on to the show. Health tips and useful wellness advice without the hype. Welcome to Healthy Living with Eric Sue Podcast. With inspiring guests and engaging fitness, nutrition, and healthy living topics, you will be entertained and excited until the end. And now your host, Eric Sue. Hey guys, Eric Sue here. Welcome to another episode of Healthy Living with Eric Sue. We have a highly educated and cool registered dietitian with us today. Her name is Megan Raup. We'll be explaining eating disorders and nutrition fads. So without any delay, let me introduce you all to Megan. Megan, are you ready to make it happen? Yes, I am. So Megan is a registered and licensed dietitian who received her BS and MS degrees in nutrition and dietetics from Northern Illinois University. While completing her master's degree, she also completed the graduate certificate of study in eating disorders and obesity. Megan's expertise is working with clients suffering with eating disorders and related issues, but also sees anyone with nutrition needs, weight loss, maintenance, restoration, healthy eating, lifestyle modification, and general wellness. She is passionate about spreading awareness of eating disorders and helping educate on proper nutrition by speaking at over 15 seminars and presentations at local schools, area dietetic associations, and professional seminars. Megan, that was a little bit about who you are. Would you be able to share a little bit more with the audience and how you got started? Sure. Um, I guess as I was growing up, I've always kind of been interested in food and uh, how the body works and just wellness in general. Um, and so when I was, you know, kind of looking at um, things to go to school for, um, nutrition was brought up as a possible major. And um, I, I guess that was just always a way to kind of connect all of those things together. Um, and I'd always been interested in eating disorders. My first kind of exposure to them was in eighth grade. Um, and then throughout high school, um, I've met quite a few people that actually struggled with eating disorders. So I figured that going to school for nutrition would be a good way to work with the body and also then work with eating disorders. So it just kind of worked out. Very good. At an early age to get all that exposure, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it was a little terrifying at first, kind of not knowing what, what it was about. But um, as I learned more and kind of got more exposed to it, I just always was really intrigued by it and kind of fascinated. So lucky for me, I actually get to make a career out of it. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. Before we dive into all this eating disorder and the topic of nutrition fads, there's this one question that my audience loves to hear. 
the answer to, and that is, what's one cool or unique fact about yourself? So I guess in the, you know, my bio, you had kind of talked about how I've done different presentations and seminars and kind of been in the public eye. And so when I was thinking back, um, I guess I've just always kind of meant to be in the public um, because when I was, I think in first or second grade, I used to um, dance. So I actually was on live TV. Um, I did a ballet dance for the Easter Seals telethon for the fundraiser. Um, so I, I just always think it's kind of ironic that I danced on live TV and now I actually do public speaking and presentations and stuff. Very good. Excellent. Do you still have a videotape of that little recital? <laughs> um, I'm sure my parents do, but I think we'll probably keep that hidden for now. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sure it was great. I'm sure it was great. Yeah. Very good. Um, so l let us get into this and, and dive into this eating disorder topic. And for, from your opinion, Megan, and how do you explain this situation? How do you describe it to people? Um, you're talking about like eating disorders? Yes. Yeah. So um, basically there's an entire spectrum of eating disorders. So when people hear about it, usually they think um, someone who's struggling with anorexia, which is typically um, going to be someone who is underweight and restricting their food intake. Um, but as, you know, I'm working with these clients, we see that there's really an entire spectrum of eating disorders. Yes, there are those classic underweight, um, you know, people that fit into anorexia category, um, but there's also people who struggle with bulimia, people who struggle with binge eating disorder, and then people who just struggle with kind of disordered eating in general. So they don't necessarily fit into any specific category or um, diagnosis. Um, but still definitely struggling with an unhealthy relationship with food, which can then impact their overall health and well-being. Um, so obviously my role is, you know, to help figure out how to establish normalized eating patterns to make sure that we correct any sort of nutritional deficiencies. Um, you know, I, I really do a lot of client-focused nutrition therapy, um, making sure that I'm, I'm individualizing my treatment for each person along that that whole spectrum of eating disorders. Very good. Excellent explanation and description. Um, how would anyone in my audience know if they have an actual disorder? How would they know that? Yeah, so this is a question that a lot of people ask, you know, because I think just as a population in general, people are very aware of what they're eating and how much they're eating and how often they're eating and just a lot of eating patterns and habits and there's a lot of information out there on what you should do or what you shouldn't do. Um, I think what really makes a difference between someone who is just concerned about what they're taking in and taking care of themselves versus an eating disorder is the mentality behind it. Um, someone with an eating disorder is going to use food and those behaviors to kind of manage a psychological component. Um, so either, you know, some sort of um, depression, some sort of anxiety, um, maybe they have uh, low self-worth, self-esteem, um, and food is a way for them to kind of cope. It's a, it's a maladaptive coping mechanism. So instead of, say, someone who's really stressed out and they go for a run or they take a bubble bath, 
someone with an eating disorder is going to be really stressed out and then use food to cope, use food to manage, um, either by, you know, restricting their intake or um, potentially overeating, binging on something. Um, There's really that mentality behind it and that psychological component that is going to set people apart between just kind of watching what they're eating and then um, actually having an eating disorder. Mm. So it's really um, not a, a observational thing in terms of, you know, there's people who are very overweight, we'll call them obese, and then there are people who are mm-hmm. very thin and underweight maybe. And, and we can't really mm-hmm. say that either of those have an eating disorder or is it are those actual uh, markers for eating disorders? So weight can be one criteria, um, but because someone can have an eating disorder at any weight, um, like if we go, if we think back to those um, diagnoses I was talking about before, anorexia, like I said, typically those patients are going to be underweight. Um, But someone who's struggling with bulimia or binge eating disorder could be of normal body weight. They could be um, uh, either overweight or obese. So weight alone or just kind of observational characteristics are not necessarily something that is going to be diagnostic. You can't tell if someone has an eating disorder just based on what they look like. Um, like I said, it's, it's going to be a, definitely a psychological component, but obviously their behavior with the food can impact their health. And so there are, you know, some medical things or some physical things that are going to kind of lead, lead someone to maybe to believe that they have issues with eating, but weight alone is not going to be a diagnostic criteria. Mm, okay, good, good. Because as I, I train a lot of people who are quote unquote overweight and, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe they think they have an eating problem or they, they tell me they um, have addictions to certain things. Would that almost be borderline eating disorder? I mean, obviously it's just a little bit, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times people will uh, make the comparison um, either with the bulimic behavior or with the binge eating behavior to addictions to food. Um, and again, you know, that could be part of it. Um, but the bigger piece that's going to indicate that disordered eating factor or not is their mentality, their motivation behind it. You know, mm-hmm. so people believe that they have a sugar addiction. That's not necessarily going to mean that they also have an eating disorder. Um, it's really going to be, you know, how are they using that belief that they have a sugar addiction to manage stress or how are they using that to cope with, um, you know, changes in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it you know, it could be a factor in someone having an eating disorder, but again, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily something that's going to be just one single thing that would be indicative of um, an eating disorder. Got it, got it. Um, you may or may not be talking in general about uh, these situations, uh, and you don't need to use anyone's specific names or anything, so that our audience can really understand a, a particular disorder. Um, I'm going to say maybe like someone who's overweight and... Um, you know, wants to get in shape, uh, but just have a hard time uh, losing weight and they have emotional ties to food, for example. Some of these uh, perhaps uh, characteristics you may be seeing, uh, what exactly would, would um, you notice that these people are doing uh, in your experience and maybe shed some light on that so that my audience may be able to rather resonate with it or identify with with. Um, with these descriptions? So, you know, a lot of the times, um, especially in the public now, a lot of people are really struggling with weight. We know that 
the obesity epidemic is something that people are talking about a lot and really trying to manage. So I think one of the biggest things that you will um, be able to kind of identify is if you're communicating with someone who's really struggling with their weight, um, they've been trying different diets and it's not working, um, if they can't really figure out what the missing link is, you know, like if, you know, if I'm following this and it's my weight is going down, but then all of a sudden it rebounds, you know. And if you are able to kind of talk them through what's going on and figure out, you know, is there um, feelings of shame? Is there feelings of guilt? Are you compensating for something? Um, if they try to, you know, eat a really healthy meal, but they're not feeling satisfied by that food, is there some sort of compensation with food? Or are they eating something and then exercising, you know, two, three, four hours afterwards to try to make up for what they're eating. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's the com- compensatory behaviors definitely, whether it's exercise, whether it is taking diet pills, whether it is taking laxatives, um, doing something to try to compensate for the food that they've taken in. Um, and then again, that kind of um, that shame, guilt, um, embarrassment around their eating patterns. Those are going to be really common factors as well. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, you know, you're probably one of the healthiest eaters out there. And, um, you know, whenever one's, anyone's around you at a buffet table or, or anything, and I, pro- I'm, I get this a lot too, which is, oh, um, how you get people who are like, wow, you're eating that, you're eating this. And, um, you know, you try to keep your plate healthy and whatnot. But um, what I'm getting at is like people have the self-talk. And it's sort of like, oh, I can't eat mm-hmm. that. Oh, no, that's too fattening or, oh, that's whatever. And and um, do you think that self-talk is, is part of the disorder as well? I wouldn't necessarily say that it's definitely part of the disorder, but I think that it can definitely lead to some unhealthy relationships with food. You know, if people are classifying these foods as, oh, I can't have those or those are bad or I can only eat these things, Um that's just something that we kind of identify as that unhealthy relationship with food. So, you know, I actually don't tell a lot of people unless I'm working with them that I'm a dietitian mm-hmm. because all of those questions and comments about food really come out. You know, don't judge me what I'm eating or, oh, you, you know, you must eat. So um, like you probably don't eat these types of things. Right. So really what I practice in, um, you know, in my workplace with my clients is, um, I always use three words, balance, variety, and moderation. Mm. Um, you know, so if we're trying to help someone redevelop a healthy relationship with food, they have to know that they have to be able to balance what they're eating. You can't always eat good. You know, you can't always eat the healthiest of the healthiest things. Um, you know, there needs to be a variety of what you're eating, and then everything, you know, you can have different things in moderation. So those are three things that I really try to stress with my clients because, if you expect someone to eat perfectly all the time, they're not, I mean, they're going to fail. You know, no one can be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with someone with an eating disorder, when they're already doubting themselves and questioning what they're eating and what they're doing, I think it's really important to help them understand that they can do it and that it can be kind of flexible, um, you know, trying to let them know that no one is perfect and so that, you know, they can, they can still enjoy their food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Excellent. I love that uh, three uh, empowering words, uh, balance, um, variety, and moderation. I think those are very powerful. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, you know, 
you know, if we can go into the uh, nutritional fads for a second and, and uh, peel the onion back on that topic, uh, what what have you noticed out there with with um, eating habits and fads? I guess. I mean, I think especially this time of year, since the New Year's resolutions have just hit. I mean, there's just so much information out there on how you should eat, what you should eat, you should follow this, no, you should do that, no, you need to take this. Um, this is a topic that I talk to my clients a lot about, you know, is how do you decipher what is true, what is correct, you know, what information do you use to actually create your habits from. Um, and so, you know, I always talk to people that, there's so much out there that you have to kind of find something that's going to work for you um, because even if there's a celebrity endorsement and it works for them or, you know, so many people are saying that this is working, you have to find something that's really going to fit your lifestyle and it's going to meet your needs. Um, so just kind of trying to figure out how to maneuver through that, that jungle of um, eating this, or sorry, nutrition fads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always tell people, too, you know, I, I have two degrees in nutrition, and sometimes it's hard for me to kind of figure out what's going on, too. So, um, you know, that is understandable that people are confused and questioning different things. Yeah, absolutely. Now, ha- has there been uh, any emergence of any particular eating plan that, that you would go to uh, for, for most people, or it's, it's still pretty uh, unclear as to which uh, eating plan is the best? Um, well, really what I usually tell most of my clients, now obviously we are going to create some individualization for each person, but um, I really tell them, you know, there's not one big diet that I recommend or there's not one necessarily fad that I recommend. Um, I typically create some structure to their eating patterns so kind of help them figure out what are the, you know, different food groups that they need to be having at each of their meals and kind of help them figure out, um, you know, just kind of balanced eating. Um, I know that sounds so boring. Um, you know, there's not there's not the the go to um, diet. But I mean there are some things, you know, some of my clients are vegetarian, so we'll kind of talk about that and figure out how that's gonna fit into their lives and make sure that they're having the different nutrients in different food groups and some of my clients um, have allergies. So we'll you know again trying to figure out how can we still have a balanced meal plan, how you're getting um, those different food groups and nutrients but we're just with different foods because obviously if they have an allergy, there are things that they can't have. So um, like you said, I know that sounds so beige, but um, there's just not necessarily a, a, a diet per se that I usually um, discuss. It's really kind of more individualized. Got it, yeah. I'm sure you've heard them all or at least have seen many, many types of diets slash eating habits out there. Um, mm-hmm. There's one in particular that has popped up uh, more so recently, and it's the paleo one. Do you have any opinions about that? Uh, I'm just curious because, like, a lot of the, you know, fitness people that I speak with, they they rave about it, and some people are like, eh, it's Mm -hmm. okay. Is there? Do you have an opinion? I mean, um, just as all kind of fad diets, I definitely don't don't encourage my clients to be following it because. with any diet, there's usually going to be a lot of restrictions. And so with some of us in eating disorder, we usually aren't going to be recommending that. I would say just in general, the paleo diet, I think there's some beneficial things to it. Um, you know, it usually promotes more, um, like, foods closer to the natural source, less processing, um, less refined 
um, ingredients. Um, it, it definitely promotes a lot of, you know, produce and um, lean proteins and stuff like that. I think my biggest concern with the paleo diet usually is just the carb restriction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are certain foods that have carbohydrates in them that you can have on the paleo diet. It just seems to be much more restricted than um, I would normally recommend. So I think that's kind of my biggest um, red flag with that. Mm-hmm. But overall, that diet. Uh, for someone who is working out, it's appropriate. I mean, the, the, the CrossFit world is really the, the where that paleo diet's coming from, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there seems to be more and more people yeah. doing CrossFit or CrossFit-like workouts. And um, so that's that's where I was going with that question. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say um, that it can be really beneficial. I would just add more carbohydrates to the, to the paleo diet. That would be what I would change. Excellent. Cool. Excellent. Um, so I'm wondering when when people visit you the first time and they consult with you, what could they expect? Um, so typically, you know, during my sessions, I really try to make them client-led um, just because, you know, I could talk at someone for an hour, but hmm. I don't necessarily do anything if, if it's not getting their needs met. So I really try to do more client-focused and client-centered care um, you know, kind of figuring out what are their roles, what do they want to work on, uh, meeting them where they're at, but also obviously my expertise in the nutrition, kind of helping guide them. Um, but I always, I, I guess I coined the term, I always say that I practice firm empathy, um, so very empathetic and understanding with what everyone is going through um, and, you know, making changes hard, but also still kind of maintain that firm boundary. You know, there are certain things that, as a dietitian, I think it needs to happen um, and education that needs to be done. So I always say firm empathy and then also flexible structure, which these both kind of sound like oxymorons, but <laughs> flexible structure in that, you know, there needs to be structure to their eating patterns. They need to make sure that they're getting certain nutrients and, um, you know, again, creating that consistency with meals, um, but still flexible enough that it's going to fit their lifestyles and that's going to be individualized. Because if it's not, it's not necessarily going to be something that's going to continue. If they don't continue it, then you're not really helping. Exactly. Totally. It's, it's sort of like in the fitness world, you can give the best workout, but um, if it's not something they can do, uh, it's it's not going to work. Right. Exactly. It's the same with the, with the nutrition piece. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, do you have it? Perhaps you could share just one case study that you worked on that um, that had some positive outcomes, and um, through that story, perhaps uh, it could resonate with some of my audience members. Um, well, I have many. I guess I could choose from. Um, I guess there's someone um, that I have worked with in my outpatient practice who um, was a young adolescent who. Uh, female, um, who was going through a lot of changes kind of physically with her body, but also um, changes in her academic experience. You know, so she's going to junior high, she was leaving middle school, there's a lot of changes happening there. Um, and she was also struggling with a lot of anxiety and depression and some OCD tendencies. Um, so the eating really was a way for her to, to manage. You know, there was a lot of changes going on. She didn't necessarily understand or like what was going on physically, um, but also kind of dealing with that anxiety piece of changes in her 
um, life situation. She had moved kind of across country as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she came to me after she had had some, uh, some inpatient uh, programming to kind of help make sure that she was eating kind of better on track and her weight had restored a little bit. But um, I worked with her for quite a few months to really um, increase variety in her food intake to really work through some of that uh, kind of OCD, uh, very rigid and structured eating patterns. Um, we did some exposures uh, with different foods to kind of help her work through that process. Um, yeah, and she has she has been a success. She's actually um, I don't really see her anymore because she has really been doing what she needs to do. Her um, anxiety and depression have seemed to alleviate a little bit. And obviously she's been working with a therapist as well to kind of manage that. But um, her weight is restored. Her eating patterns are much more normalized. Um, and she just seems to be able to better kind of manage those emotional situations that are going on. She's no longer using the food as that symptom management. She's using food as a recipe for to fuel her body and to, mm-hmm. you know, be able to do what she wants to do as a young adolescent. Very good. Excellent. I love hearing those stories, and I know my audience will appreciate that as well. Uh, I think what I took away from that was, you know, being aware of um, your your life and, and what's going on that impacts you uh, externally and so that you can be emotionally strong and use food um, to, to fuel versus just to use it as a, um, uh, a tool or weapon, if you will. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so very great uh, story. Do you have three fitness and health and wellness tips that you could share with our audience? Sure. Um, I would say the first one I already um, kind of mentioned was that balance, variety, and moderation. I think whenever you're doing anything with food or even fitness, um, having those three things, that balance, variety, and moderation is going to be really key. Um, The second one I would say is um, to be an educated consumer. So know where you're getting your information. Know that it's you know, scientifically driven that there are reasons that these things are supposed to be working. Um, just being an educated consumer when it comes to nutrition information, um, which can be challenging, but needs to happen anyway. So, um, and then the last one I guess I would just say is to be flexible and forgiving with food. Um, it's very easy for someone to kind of beat themselves up over something that they ate or didn't eat or how much they ate. Um, and I think it's really important to just be flexible and forgiving with yourself when it comes to that because no one can be perfect. No one can eat perfect all the time. Um, and so if you're able to be flexible and forgiving with yourself, you're not necessarily going to experience some of those negative emotions related to food. Just real quick to to, talk, uh, to ask a, a quick question about that flexibility part. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that's hard for people to be flexible, or do some people take it um, too loosely and, and they um, get too flexible? I think you're always going to have people on kind of both ends of the spectrum. I would say majority of my clientele finds it challenging to be flexible. Um, because just typically in nature, majority of them are going to um, have that sense of rigidity and kind of wanting to control something. Mm. Um, so to be flexible and to be able to choose something because they want it can be really challenging for a lot of my clients. Um, but obviously, yes, yeah, some people do take it 
a little too loosely and we kind of have to um, restructure their eating a little bit. But I just, I think it's really important to just kind of understand that flexibility is an, is an important thing and, and can be a positive thing as well. Got it. Very good. Excellent. Uh, so, so full of information, Megan, I knew this was going to be an awesome <laughs> podcast. I really appreciate it. How do people get a hold of you? Um, so they can get a hold of me in two different ways. Um, I do have an email address. Um, it is meganraupard4 at gmail.com. Um, and then I also actually have a Facebook page. Um, not a personal one. It is just like a, a public page. It's called the Eating Disorder Dietitian. Um, and so on there, I kind of post articles. I um, have responded to questions. Um, people can message me on there too. So that is also they get a hold of me. Excellent. And, and I believe you have an office too. Is that correct, or do you visit people? Yes. Yeah, I do have an office. Um, it is located in Naperville, um, right off 88 and uh, Naperville Road. Um, it is at Naper Clinical, um, 800 East Steel Road, Suite 100. Um, so yeah, I do see people there, um, in that office a couple times a week. Very good. Excellent. Just want to get that out there so that if people wanted to visit and see you in person versus over the phone, they could do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if anyone it does have questions or is considering coming to see me, they can always send me an email too and I can you know, explain it further to them or answer some questions on there as well. Excellent. Very good. I knew that, like I said, it was going to be an awesome podcast, which it has been, full of information with your knowledge and wisdom. My audience appreciates it. I appreciate it. I hope you had a great time. And um, Yeah, well. I did. It was fun. Definitely, this is a very valuable show, so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today on Healthy Living with Eric Sue. Head over to ericwsue.com for full recaps of every show and Eric's health and wellness blog. Your healthy living is waiting for you, so stay active and be safe.